0: Chapter Thirty of the Cliff Climbers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Cliff Climbers by Thomas Maine Reed, Chapter Thirty, The Double Decoy. It was some considerable time before he heard any response to cheer him or observed any sign that indicated the presence or proximity of an animal he repeated his bark many times with intervals of silence between and was about yielding to the conviction that not only the open ground but the bushes around it were going to draw blank he had uttered his last bark with all the alluring intonation that he could throw into the sound and was about starting to his feet to proceed elsewhere when just then the real cry of the kakur responded to his fine one, apparently coming from out the thicket on the opposite side of the glade, the sound was heard only faintly as if the animal was at a great distance off. but Caspar knew that if it was a response to his call, which he believed it to be, it would soon draw nearer he lost no time therefore in giving utterance to a fresh series of barks of the most seductive character and then once more strained his ears to listen for the reply again the barks of the kakur came back upon the breeze repeated serially and so resembling his own that had caspar not known that they proceeded from the throat of a deer he might have fancied them to be echoes he did not allow many seconds to elapse before barking again, and again with an equal straining at allurement. This time, to his surprise of the young hunter, there was no response. He listened, but not a sound came back, not even an echo. He barked again, and again listened. As before, Silence profound unbroken. No, it was not unbroken. Although it was not the call of the Kakur, another sound interrupted the stillness a sound equally welcome to the ear of the young hunter it was a rustling among the leaves on the opposite side of the glade just such as might indicate the passage of an animal through the bushes directing his eye towards the spot where the sound appeared to proceed caspar saw or fancied he saw some twigs in motion but it was no fancy for the moment after he not only saw the twigs move, but behind the bush to which they belonged, he could just make out a darkish-colored object. It could be nothing else than the body of the kakur. Although it was very near, for the glade was scarce twenty yards across, and the deer was directly behind a line of low shrubs which formed a sort of selvage around it, Caspar could not get a good view of the animal it was well screened by the foliage, and better, perhaps, by the absence of a bright light, for it was yet only the grey twilight of morning. There was light enough, however, to take aim, and as the intervening branches were only tiny twigs, Caspar had no fear that they would interfere with the direction of his bullet. There was no reason, therefore, why he should delay longer. He might not get a better chance, and if he waited longer, or barked again the kakur might discover the decoy and run back into the bushes here goes then muttered caspar to himself at the same time placing himself firmly on one knee raising his gun and cocking it it was a splendid luck that upon the right-hand barrel of caspar's gun one in which the cock on being drawn to the full gives tongue to tell that the spring is in perfect order in the profound stillness of the morning air, the click sounded clear enough to have been heard across the glade, and much farther. Caspar even feared that it might be loud enough to affright the deer, and kept his eye fixed upon the latter as he drew back the cock. The animal stared not, but instead, almost simultaneous with the click of his gun, and as if it had been its echo, another click fell upon the hunter's ear apparently coming from the spot on which the Kakur was standing. Fortunate was it for Caspar that his own spring had clicked so clear, and fortunate also he had heard that apparent echo, else he might either have shot his brother, or his brother him, or each might have shot the other. As it was, the second click caused Caspar to start to his feet. Carl, at the same instant, was seen hurriedly the rising wreck upon the opposite side of the glade while both with cock-guns in their hands stood eyeing each other, like two individuals, about to engage in a deadly duel of rifles. Had any one seen them at that moment, and in that attitude, their wild looks would have given color to the supposition that such was in reality their intent, and some time would have elapsed before any action on the part of either would have contradicted this fearful belief, for it was several seconds before either could find speech to express their mutual surprise. It was something more than surprise. It was awe, a deep, tragical emotion of indefinable terror gradually giving way to a feeling of heartfelt thankfulness at the fortunate chance that had made them aware of each other's presence and saved them from a mutual fratricide. For some seconds I have said not a word was spoken and then only short exclamations of similar import came trembling from the lips of both. Both, as if acting under a common impulse, flung their guns to the ground. Then, rushing across the glade, they threw their arms round each other, and remained for some moments locked in a brotherly embrace. No explanation was needed by either. Karl, after passing round the lake by the other side, had strayed by chance in the direction of the glade. On nearing it, he had heard the barking of a kakur, not dreaming that it was Casper acting as a decoy. He had answered the signal, and finding that the kakur still kept its place, he had advanced towards the opening, with the intention of stalking it. On getting nearer, he had ceased to utter the call, under the belief that he should find the deer out in the open ground. Just as he arrived by its edge, Caspar was mimicking the Kakor in such an admirable manner, and so energetically that Carl could neither fail to be deceived as to the character of the animal, nor remain ignorant of his position. The darkish disk, visible behind the evergreen leaves, could be no other than the body of the deer. And Carl was just about cocking his rifle to bore it with a bullet, when the click of Caspar's double barrel sounding ominously in his ear, fortunately conducted to a far different denouement than that fatal finale which was so near having occurred chapter thirty